2: hey everybody welcome to another baseball america podcast i'm kyle glazer we've got another great show for you today we're here to recap what was a very wild wild card weekend and we're going to look ahead to the division series to do that i am joined by my friend and co-worker jeff Ponce. jeff i, I want to start with before we dive into any of the series and look ahead to the division series when major league baseball first announced they were expanding the postseason and including this wild card round uh, you know, six teams in each league three game wild card series I was a little concerned it was gonna water down the postseason, just the level of competition and and almost make it, I don't know a little bit of a participation trophy to get into the playoffs, make it too easy and, and the caliber of play we would see. Uh, this wouldn't be up to what we were expecting in October. Having gone through our first year of the wildcard series as it is formatted currently, I have to say I was wrong. This was an exciting, exciting weekend of baseball. Uh, Friday and Saturday saw some great pitching performances all the way around. Absolutely playoff caliber aces going at it. And then game three Sunday, Padre's Mets was uh was a classic in a couple different ways, maybe not in the score, but a but a great game nonetheless. I have to say I, I came into this a little skeptical of, of the wild card series in this postseason expansion, but after watching it play out in real time, I'm in.
3: Yeah, I would have to agree, Kyle. Um, you know, having sat here and you know watched really two full days of baseball and then one game uh tonight. It seems like, you know, even the series that were sweeps, a, a lot of the time they were they were tight games. You know, those the Philly Cardinals games were tight. They were exciting until the last out. There was a possibility, you know, those games could be, be tied up. Um, the Rays and the Guardians, obviously, they pretty much played three games, more or less, right? Um, really tight games. Uh I would say that, you know, the 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 Mariners and the Blue Jays, first game, maybe not so much. Second game, come on. I mean, they come back from you know a seven run deficit. I don't even know if, I don't think we've seen that before uh, in the history of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll double check on that one. And then, you know, the Padres uh, Mets series was great. And there were a ton of battles there that went three um, and a lot of excitement, a lot of passion. And, uh, you know, we got our deciding one game, you know, winner takes all and uh, it went to San Diego. So, Really exciting series overall. I think the quality of the teams in the playoffs overall is really good. Um, just kind of answering the watered-down product thing. I think everybody was so, sort of concerned about that, right? We look at the NBA playoffs in some of these leagues, and it's like there's teams that kind of are on the bubble that make it, and you're like, all right, these guys are going to get washed in round one. And that ha- often happens. Well, I didn't think that was the case. Even with the sweeps, I thought it was sort of the nature of the shorter series that a lot of these, if they were seven-game series best of four, Oh, uh, excuse me. Best of seven. Um, it wouldn't have shocked me if these games, you know, series went five or six games and 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 that, or even seven. Um, so yeah, I thought overall really good matchups, really good teams. And we haven't even seen the best teams in the playoffs yet based on, you know, the actual production during the regular season. That's really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing the Astros, how they sort of deploy this incredibly deep arsenal of weapons. They have seven starters more or less, if you count Hunter Brown, um, Could be really interesting with the way starters sometimes get deployed uh, in relief roles, long relief roles in the playoffs and some of these tight games. That could be a deciding factor. I think the Dodgers, of course, you can never count them out. Um, The Yankees, we've got got a little bit of drama with the Yankees now, with Araldis Chapman being dismissed, not being on the playoff roster. Um, You know, go right through. So I'm I'm really excited to dive into it. Let's talk about these games and then, you know, a little bit about the games that are going to be upcoming on Tuesday and the rest of the week.
2: Yeah, I mean, we have to start with the Mets Padres series, the only series to go three games. And Jeff, for all of our listeners out there, I want you to pull out your phone and read the text message that I sent you at the end of the second inning. <laughs> I think I remember what it was, but I I don't want to
3: paraphrase. So I'll just make sure that I get it correct. Um, and it was Musgrove has the look. He's got this. And that was 749. So. We're, we're talking like the second or third inning
2: yeah I texted I, agree. Of- I thought
3: the body language between him and Bassett it was noticeable as you said so yeah on. I
2: mean that that was something that jumped out to me I texted you I texted some other friends watching Chris Bassett obviously he was really struggling with the pitch calm and you know you could see he was flustered I mean you could see it with his pitch execution he was falling behind batters the potters were working a lot about bats against him whereas Musgrove when he walked off the mound that second inning I mean you could tell he he had this. I mean, and that was just so, so, so clear. And it played out that way. I mean, it was something where just, it was night and day, the body language between the two of them. And look, Joe Musgrove went out and pitched his tail off. And, you know, for anyone who's been paying attention, he's been doing this all year. He has a sub three ERA. He allowed one run in his final four starts of the regular season. This wasn't a surprise for anyone who's been paying attention. In terms of the substance check, here's what I'll say. I think it was interesting because I, I have a lot of family and friends on both sides, Mets fans and, and Potters fans. And the Mets fans were apoplectic that, look at what's on his ear. He's totally cheating. This is ridiculous. You know, Twitter really set them off and all the Potters fans were going, that's so Bush League of Showalter to, you know, check and yada, yada. Look, I get Buck Showalter. I'm sure that word filtered its way down from the Mets front office down to the dugout that, hey, there's pictures of him. It looks like something's on his ear. Go out and check it. And I get it from the Mets perspective and Buck Showalter's perspective. Hey, let's go out and check this. But here's the thing. If you're going to do that, you better make sure you're right. Because if you're not, you're just going to take off the guy who's already taking it to you. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, this, I mean, Joe Musgrove had the Mets number all night. He was getting the swing early in counts, uh, getting ahead of hitters, a you know, lot of weak contact early, you know, and toward the end, the Mets started squaring up some balls a little bit more in the final out in the sixth, a little bit more in the seventh, but i mean joe musgrove had it all working and and again i you could see it as early as that second inning when he's walking off the mound nothing was going to face him he had this in the back yeah.
3: yeah and you know as for the 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 whole substance thing um you could look at his ears and it, it, he wasn't going to his ear at all um he's going to his hat he was going to kind of wipe off his fingers um also the way um the type of stuff that that Musgrove throws and the fact that he pitches to contact quite a bit. It's kind of counterintuitive to the whole spin thing. Um, he was throwing a little bit harder tonight. He was amped up with velocity comes um, a increase in spin just sort of naturally. But I thought one, the reason I brought this up again is I wanted to sort of mention one tweet that came out from Andrew McCutcheon, um, you know, former all star. So, you know, I guarantee Musgrove is red hot in his ears. Pitcher uses it as a mechanism to stay locked in during games. Burns like crazy, and I don't know why some guys think it helps them, but um, it it doesn't help in any way. It's not sticky, yada yada yada. And a couple other guys confirmed it. Um, Brent Rooker was mentioned that guys at the end of the AAA season were using it, um, just sort of to feel something. Uh, it's one of those things, like smelling salts. I can remember like before, like you know, varsity games, we'd we'd rip some smelling salts, like run out of the field or whatever, football or you know, you know, hockey, kind of the same thing. I think it's just probably one of those things. He wasn't going to it. It doesn't – It I think didn't think it had an impact.
2: It, it didn't. And, again, yeah. this is, you know, yeah. people barking on Twitter and trying to find yeah. excuses. People are upset, looking for stuff. Joe Musgrove just had his number. And people are going to spin, rate. Yeah, it's called adrenaline. You're throwing harder. You're making your first career yeah. postseason start for your hometown team. The crowd's rocking. You want to silence them? I mean, adrenaline, velocity, more spin. This was just a great pitcher going out there and yeah. doing what he does best and give Joe Musgrove and I don't blame-
3: yeah. And credit to Buck for checking him too. Like yeah. I, it's, you know, it's yeah. all part of the game within the game. Like yeah. I, I, that's the stuff we just got to, you know, I guess not being involved from a fan perspective, I can just sort of take a, a step back and just enjoy all the madness, but I understand why they, why everything. Well, it's part It's part, part of the
2: gamesmanship. Hey. I had no, there's nothing wrong. Again, yeah. Buck going out and checking totally fine. But again, if you're going to take that step, you better make sure you're right. Cause otherwise you're just going to piss off the guy who's <laughs> taking it to you. So, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, the Padres, um, I think what was really impressive, especially, you know, game one coming out and jumping on Max Scherzer for four homers and seven runs. You know, if you had told me, and, and I picked the Padres to win this series back on our wild card preview podcast, but to me, my thought was if they were going to win game one, it would have been, hey, you Darvish outdueling Max Scherzer, uh, a 2 1 type of game. If you had told me the Padres are going to hit four homers and four and a third innings off Max Scherzer, score seven runs off of him, I would have said that would have been a stretch, especially given the Padres' lack of power this year. But, they went out and they did it. And, and what was cool with them the series, their offense. And really, this team has not been a high functioning, complete offense very often this year. Um, this has been a very, very, very pitching driven team. But it was really cool to see throughout the series. This was a team that was working counts. They were having great at bats, one through nine, top to bottom in the lineup. They were hitting homers. They were singles, doubles, laying down sack bonds, stealing bases. They were doing everything. And people talk about postseason baseball and what wins. It's being complete. It's being one through nine. Everyone's a threat. You can hit for power. You can hit for average. You can do the big things. You can do the little things. If you're one dimensional, you're not going to make it very far. And it was really cool to see the Padres kind of play that complete game over the course of the series. They hit for power. They did the little things. They did it all. And, and that's why they're moving on. And, and really, the big, big key for them this series was the bottom of the lineup and specifically trent grisham who just to be frank was in there this entire season solely for his defense and he showcased that a little bit in the series too but offensively it was hard to watch a lot of the year and he came out this series and just absolutely tore it up but i mean overall the bottom of that lineup the bottom three guys you know four for eleven two doubles a homer in the first game homer in three runs the second game tonight four for six four runs three rbis i say tonight we're recording this sunday night after uh, the conclusion of game three I mean, when you get that kind of production from the bottom of your lineup, you're in great shape. And give Trent Grisham and Ha-Sung Kim and Austin Nola credit. Again, you know, Joe Musgrove is the reason they won this game tonight, but you need runs and support. And and everyone chipped in a little bit. Again, Juan Soto laying down that sack bunt. That was great. Um, but for the bottom of the order to do what it did this entire series, and especially in the clincher, it was impressive. And and I talked about Ha-Sung Kim and been hitting really well since July. But I can't sit here and tell you I thought Trent Grisham would hit two bombs and, and really be the best offensive player of this series on either team. I would not have predicted that.
3: You got to love baseball for that reason. But um, yeah. And I think, you know, Soto seemed like he kind of got a swagger back a little bit too, which I think that's a little scary. Like that was the thing I was going to add in here on the Padres. And you had mentioned this actually in our playoffs preview podcast uh, late last week. And you talked a little bit about Myers and some of these other guys are kind of getting going and, Um, Might be a little bit sneaky. And it's funny, I don't even think we talked about, like, if Soto got hot and got hot the way Soto can get hot. Um, Oh, man, he's such a difference maker. And I think especially when you have Machado and then Bell behind him uh, and their ability to change a game in one swing. I mean, we saw Bell, you know, with that. I've never seen a ball that was as muscled as much as that ball was muscled. Uh, the other day, weird angle, tough pitch to hit against a tough pitcher uh, and just absolutely muscled like four hundred and twenty five feet. Um, you know, and then you have all these guys that do a lot of little things well, uh, whether it's Cronenworth, even Austin Noah at the bottom of the lineup isn't a bad hitter pro far. These are veteran players with a variety of skills that can fill a bunch of different roles if they're pitching well, if they're defending well um, and their hits are dropping. This is a really dangerous team.
2: Again, the Potters won the series. The Mets were a good team. They won 101 games. They, you know, hit the skids a little bit at the end there, but the Potters just went out and beat them and give the Potters credit. And again, I I talked about this. I picked this to happen because I knew the strength of this starting rotation. Um, I can't say, like I said, that I I would have predicted the bottom of the order to come through like it did, but Potters are certainly happy that, that it did. And now they're heading on to the NLDS against the Dodgers. Jeff, I I want to go through some of these other series real quick. Cardinals, Phillies. You picked the Cardinals to win the World Series, and they were swept in the wild card round. I, I I did tease you a little (laughs) bit here. Uh, I went back and listened just to double check. I went three for four on my wild card round picks. You went zero for four, my friend. You took a zero for four on all four series. Uh, But with the Cardinals, no, I obviously game one. The way that ended was certainly. Shocking, just because you don't expect that from the Cardinals. Um, You know, especially defensively. You know, Tommy Edmond, that play is tough because they're playing infield in, in that situation, two one ball game, bases loaded. But Nolan Arenado, that chopper, especially. I mean, he gets that nine hundred ninety nine times out of one thousand, and that was the one time it got through. Yeah, it was certainly weird to see. And and obviously, look when you have your standout closer come in and walks and hit batters and clearly he doesn't have it I and mean, it's a combination of, of walking guys combined with some shoddy defense that's how big innings like that happen especially in the playoffs but i also do want to mention you know the cardinals scored three runs in two games, and they didn't score until the seventh inning in game one got shut out in game two and this is one of the things i mentioned on the podcast before this offense would disappear at times especially when paul goldschmidt wasn't going well and and we saw that this was just and again first of all give Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola credit. These are two of the best starters in baseball. They went mm-hmm. out, they did their job, the Phillies bullpen, which has been a big, big issue for them for years, yeah. but they they have some good arms. They brought in this year, a couple guys, Sir Anthony Dominguez coming back as a big one. Um, you know, the Phillies pitch well, give them credit, but this is where, again, the Cardinals, this, this was kind of their weak point. Their offense would disappear for stretches and three runs in two games. Just isn't going to get the job done. Unless you're the guardians.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> unless you're the guardians.
3: Uh, absolutely you know and and I think the big thing is they lived and died a little bit with Goldschmidt and Arenado um I thought where they would win this series when I picked them um you know ultimately was you know with the bullpens um you know once they got past those starters Philly's bullpen has been um explosive (laughs) and not necessarily in a good way (laughs) um and you know they're a veteran club that grinds out at bats and really makes pitchers work and I just thought that you know, they would sort of grind out late in games. We kind of saw it yesterday. I mean, they had guys on multiple innings in a row. They had sort of the, the go-ahead run come to the plate, and they weren't able to materialize or do anything with it. Really, really bad at bat from from Paul Goldschmidt in the eighth. And then, um, you know, Arenado sort of followed it up with another strikeout. So um, it was it was rough just offensively. And, you know, the Blue Jays versus the Mariners, I would honestly say that's the one that I'm most – surprised by I really
2: thought the Blue Jays were we gonna roll so here's why I picked the Mariners you talked about the Cardinals devil magic I'm I'm believing the Mariners magic this year I mean <laughs> in the regular season this year they had 37 comeback wins they won 23 games in their last at-bat 12 of them via walk-off mm. I mean this is a team that just continuously again and again and again found ways to win games they had no business winning and that came true in game two and and again it goes back to you know carlos santana hit a big home run to get them back in it but the way they ended up tying this thing singles doubles good at bats string together hit after hit after hit and even you know jp crawford in the scorebook obviously it's a basis clearing double you know it's a pop-up and you know falls in um obviously the collision between bo bichette and george springer was scary you hope everyone's okay um, but again, put the ball in play, give yourself a chance. Good things are gonna happen, especially in the postseason, especially against this caliber of pitching. You know, if you're going up there swinging from your shoes every time out, you're not gonna have any success. You've got to battle, you've got to fight, you gotta grind. And the Mariners have shown the ability to do that. Um, it was a remarkable comeback and and one of the most memorable postseason games of my lifetime. And I think just you know, it was kind of funny when they were down eight, one, I remember kind of having the thoughts like, you know, if there's one team I'm not gonna say is totally out of this, it's probably them. And it came true. Again, I picked them to win this round. I can't say I thought they would have a comeback quite like that, down eight, one in the fifth, and you win 10-9. But um, this is what this team can do. And and it's what kind of makes this year so fun and special for them.
3: Yeah. I also picked teams that I picked before the season, which were the Jays and the Rays. So uh oh, excuse me, the uh yeah, the uh the Rays and the Mets. So I picked both of those. I picked the Cardinals because I cover them jays because i cover them so i got too personal i'm going for blood this
2: round <laughs> yeah well and i think we we do have to wrap up with the guardians here speaking of great games that 15 inning thriller game too i mentioned you know scoring three runs in two games will win you a whole lot in the postseason guardians it's enough they pitched 24 innings and allowed one run that's a remarkable, and again, we knew this was a great pitching staff. If you told me, oh yeah, they're going to shut anyone down, especially a raise offense that as I've been trying to tell everyone is not that good. They match up well, that works better against inferior pitching when you're facing a team like the guardians, you need impact hitters. And they just didn't have it. But still that was a remarkable performance. And Oscar Gonzalez, you know, it's funny during our Wild wildcard uh, preview podcast, I was, I had so many different thoughts rolling around in my head. I uh, talked too fast and, I made two mistakes. First, I mentioned Bradley Zimmer was DFA'd. He was actually traded, and so I want to issue that correction. But also, in talking about how moving Zimmer eventually DFAing Bradley kind of helped out the lineup, you bring up Quan allows you to put Naylor more first base. You know, Owen Miller didn't have the best year, but but I stand by it. He can hit, and he was an upgrade of what they had taking the roster spot. Oscar Gonzalez came up mid-season. There was an opening for him in the outfield in part because of some of the decisions they made with their roster, and he was great all year, putting together our all rookie team. You know, this was a historically good year for rookie outfielders. You had Julio Rodriguez, Michael Harris, and Stephen Kwan, all three of whom were, were lights out in different ways. In a weaker year, Oscar Gonzalez would have made our all-rookie team. He was really, really good. And it was funny. I was actually sitting with a Guardians fan as that game was unfolding extra innings, and Gonzalez came up. And the guy I was sitting with, who's a, a diehard Guardians fan, watches like, he's like, he's going to end it right here. He's going to hit a walk-off to end it. And he was right. He was just a few innings early. So it's just one of those things where Another guy brought him up mid-season, making an impact. And, and again, the Guardians, once again, you, you talked about, they have a lot of depth in that organization. They make smart choices about who to put on the roster and who not to and paid off for them in a big way. A pretty dramatic fashion to end a, a classic.
3: And I think you had mentioned this in the in the preview podcast, but there's sort of this classical build for playoff baseball as well in terms of they ba- They execute the fundamentals very well, uh, defensively, um, you know, offensively in terms of putting the ball in play. uh, There were a lot of strikeouts in that game, but typically they're not a high strikeout team. Um, They can run the bases a little bit. Um, So, you know, they're dangerous in those situational sort of aspects of the game that I think, you know, in this series are ultimately what separated them um, from Tampa, who's also, you know, a fairly good defensive team, but, I just think when you look at this roster, right, you go through like Quan Rosario, uh, Ramirez, Naylor, you know, Gonzalez, as you mentioned, Jimenez, Brennan, uh, Hedges, Straw. These aren't anybody that they signed as a free agent. A lot of these guys are either homegrown players or guys that they acquired. Um, you know, Hedges was a little bit more, I would say, kind of a, a giveaway. Sure. But, uh, you know younger players guys that hadn't necessarily fully established themselves rosario is probably the only one that has um you know prior to coming here and then you look at the bullpen and some of the names you got rule five picks like trevor stephen uh out of the yankees organization you know class a they acquired um sandlin was a draft pick years ago eli morgan came from uh you know um zaga he was a draft pick but yeah Yeah. i said sam Sam henry de los santos i like He's been on what three or four organizations at this point, and he pitched a huge inning for them. And then Sam Hentges is another, you know, internally developed guy. He comes out and pitches three great innings, um, you know, allowed
2: three hits, but didn't walk anybody,
3: struck out six, and you know, ultimately ends up getting the win.
2: Yeah, Sam Hentges and Nick samlin uh, have been two really underrated relievers for the Guardians. Um, you know, James shack and Emmanuel Clase get a lot of the love as they should, but. Um, Those two have been great. Yeah, Daniel De Los Santos. I wrote him up as a Mariners prospect. I wrote him up as a Padres prospect and bounced around the Philly, uh, Pittsburgh for a minute. a perfect
3: game or a no-hitter with the Padres, right? Maybe 18 in that system early in the year. I can remember writing him up when he threw either a no-hitter or a perfect game, and then I saw him when he had a decent year –
2: it was Lehigh Valley when he was in Philly. Yeah, I saw him eventually Lehigh Valley. And, and yeah, I saw him like Elsinore. So, But no, it's again, the Guardians, surprise, surprise, have a lot of really good arms. And they're moving on. All right, Jeff. So we've recapped the wild card round. Uh, we're going to look ahead to the division series. Uh, first, we're going to take a quick break. We're driven by the
4: search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: we are back i'm kyle
2: glazer here with jeff Ponce breaking down the 2022 postseason we just recapped the wild card round before the break now we're going to look ahead to the division series jeff the division series one kind of fun wrinkle with this now i mean it, it would happen occasionally with you know the one game wild card that was introduced a few years back but nothing quite like this three of the four division series we've got this year are all intra-division got astros mariners mm-hmm. dodgers padres braves phillies Teams that are all very, very, very familiar with each other. You've got the Yankees and Guardians, who have met in the postseason a lot over the years. All of these matchups there are really intriguing. And I think even the one that what I would look at on the outside and say, that's probably the one I would say, you know, more heavily slanted in one direction than the other, is the one that was actually the closest among the interdivision series this year, and that was the Braves and the Phillies. Just starting with you, which of these four matchups intrigues you the most? Because there's a lot of storylines all over the place here. Sure. Yeah. Um...
3: You know, frankly, I, I think it's uh, the Padres and the Dodgers um, when teams are sort of trying to get over this hump and get to the next level as the Padres have for a long time and, you know, sort of get to those championship aspirations. There's always a team in the way initially that they have to get over the Bulls with with Jordan. It was the Pistons in Detroit. Right. Um, and you go right through. I think, you know, the, certainly the Bron had those with like the Celtics and some of those teams. So we see it here between these two and like if they can get over that hump i think that would be huge what what a what a massive victory that could then sort of propel them through the nlcs and potentially into the world series but um when you look at this team's pitching staff as we said how they're how they're put together um the dodgers are a little bit beat up they're still the dodgers though i wonder if this might be this could be a turning point now it, it maybe it isn't the dodgers just do what the dodgers do and they roll but to me, this is the most intriguing series because this could be a bit of a shift in balance uh, or just the Padres finally kind of winning one against the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I was a former Padres beat writer and uh, you know, being out here for us, I've written about the Padres and Dodgers a lot over the years. Really since 2011, this has not been a rivalry. It's been an annual shellacking. Dodgers just take it to the Padres year in and year out. And there's been so many times where it's like, oh man, the Padres... They might finally be turning the corner they're finally playing the dodgers tough and then inevitably the dodgers would roll And you look up and the season series would be 14 to five as it was this year or 13 to six or something in that vein you know it's it's going to be interesting because as you mentioned the dodgers right now there's some uncertainty about who their fourth starter is going to be tony gonson is limited to four innings you, you're going to stack three lefties to start games one two and three potters some of the right-handed hitters are, are their strength. so there's certainly some favorable matchups there. One of the things that'll be interesting to me to see is because, I mean, you can get through it with three starters and you feel pretty good about the Padres' top three starters. But given they already had to go through a wild card round, the way the schedule kind of lines up, if, if you have a healthy and effective Mike Clevenger as an option to start one of the games, just depending on how the series plays out, that could be an advantage because if the Padres have a healthy, effect of Mike Clevenger over whatever the Dodgers are going to have to cobble together, if they need to use a fourth starter, that changes the dynamic. But again, a short series, five games, I don't know if it's going to get to that point. It's really going to come down to look. There's certainly a talent difference here. That's been made very, very clear year after year. The Dodgers are just a deeper, more talented team, more balanced team. There's also a bit of a mental block. The Dodgers have owned the West for years and years and years. The Giants won the West last year, but the Dodgers beat them in the postseason. And we're still clearly kind of the, the class, the division, in a lot of ways. We'll see. It's going to be a great series. I know I'm excited. Um, I'll be covering each of those games for us here at B.A. I'll be at Dodger Stadium Tuesday, Wednesday, Petco Park Friday, and then whatever happens after that. It's certainly going to be a, a really, really intriguing series. The one I'm kind of looking at is, is the Astros Mariners. And here's why. So the Astros won the season series 12-7. The run differential wasn't that great. It was, you know, 73 to 65. So, I mean, the games were somewhat close. But here's the other kicker. The Astros Mariners haven't played since July 31st. They played all 19 of their games in the first half of the season, more or less. MLB, the way they scheduled that was very, very weird. The Astros Mariners haven't played. The Mariners had acquired Luis Castillo when they played the last game or two. But the Astros have never faced the Mariners with Luis Castillo in their rotation. So for me, it's going to be just a little bit of a different dynamic. The Mariners are a pretty different team than they were when the Astros were beating them up most of the year. Again, I, I picked the Astros to win the world series and I'm still going to stick with that, but I just think it's going to be an interesting dynamic. This is a very different Mariners team than the last time these two teams faced. Hmm.
3: Yeah. You know, um, I think so too. Like you, you, I had, I actually didn't realize that they hadn't played in that long. Um, But, you know, any of these division series, you have some familiarity. um, You add in the fact that, you know, the Mariners can roll out, you know, a pretty formidable uh, group of starters at the beginning of the series still. And they're mixing in guys like Kirby, you know, (laughs) into the bullpen. Um, Brash, they have a lot of different looks. They might be able to sneak up on them it's just i i have such a difficult time betting against the astros you know especially leading up to the world series um when they're playing some of these super teams different story um but i don't know it's just it, it's so hard it you know it could it could go to the distance but i do think ultimately the astros prevail but it wouldn't shock me if you know the mariners do take them um you know the full series
2: yeah again When you have this much familiarity, a lot of things can happen. As much as we talk about all the different possibilities, if you ask me to make my picks, I would pick the Braves to beat the Phillies, the Astros to beat the Mariners, and the Dodgers to beat the Padres in this division series. The one series that I'm looking at, and I talked about it during our postseason preview podcast before the wild card round, the Yankees... Took it to the Guardians during the year. The Yankees won five of six games. They they crushed them on the run differential. But I got to tell you, I like this matchup for the Guardians. I like the pitching staff. I like the way they play. We've talked about they're built very, very well for the postseason. You know, the Yankees finished the season strong, and a lot of that was Aaron Judge driving them. But they're, they're still just... There's still some questions with this team. How consistent is this offense going to be? How reliant is this offense going to be on really one guy to carry them? Because as I wrote, even as they finished the year hot, it was Aaron Judge on a different level. And everyone else in that lineup is very, very average at best in terms of when you took the the, the total sum of it all. um, They're dealing with some injuries. I got to say, if I'm going to pick one upset, this is the one I'm picking. It would be the Guardians Mm -hmm. to beat the Yankees
3: i think i agree with you um i think the other thing too is if i remember correctly at least one of the series between the guardians um and the yankees in the bronx was in april like maybe the second week of the season because that's when stephen kwan and was it straw or somebody got into it um in the outfield with uh some yankees fans if, if you remember they were throwing stuff at him and he climbed up the wall and it became a little bit of a snafu there so i don't know maybe they got some bulletin board material right they can they can dig back into the box there and if it's a team that they haven't seen in a long time we've seen how they've come together um we'll see you know um it's just that's a really good bullpen they can go toe-to-toe with the yankees with their bullpen and the yankees just seem like a team that could come out potentially really cold after having not played for a week I still think that could be a factor. I'm I'm interested to see how that factors into all of this. If the buy is indeed a benefit um, or if it's a deterrent on the, on the hitting, or so maybe it's a little both. Maybe it's good for the pitching. Maybe it's bad for the hitting. I just want to see how long it takes some of these teams to get going. Maybe some teams come out hot out of the box, but it will be interesting to watch.
2: Yeah. Last time these two teams faced, you're right. There was that series in April. And then they played another series at the beginning of July. So last time these two teams played was July 3rd. So again, both these teams, they're they are very different now. A lot of things have happened. You have injuries, you have roster moves, you have players taking steps forward in the second half. So it's been a while, um, but but I do look at the matchup. I do look at the way these teams are kind of coming into it. I, I do think there is a good chance the Guardians win this series. Again, if I'm going to pick an upset, is it this one? Yes. Am I going to pick it to happen? Yeah. Fortune favors the bowl. Let's do it. Guardians in five.
3: Oh man, I'm not going to be too much for Homer. I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Yankees just, just because I don't want to be the Boston guy that automatically picks. The, <laughs> the Yankees. We have to have some variance here. Cause otherwise all of our picks would be exactly the same. Cause I'm not picking against the Braves again. I made that mistake of trying to write them off too early this season. And I look silly. So not going to bet against them. Like I said, I just can't bet against the Astros. Not that we're actually betting. Um, are you going dodgers dodgers over padres i am yeah i, I think, think ultimately true. i i probably would um, yeah i, I just... want to see the padres win just because it'd be it'd be as close as the as as we've had of the red Sox and all four finally getting over the hump for the yankees not quite as long um but still you know I, I think like there's a little bit of little brother syndrome and as somebody uh you know who grew up cheering for the red Sox, i can understand that a little bit you know put myself in their shoes i have some sympathy for the padres fans but Still picking the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, again, I think I see a scenario where the Padres win this series. I do. I just am hesitant to pick it. Um, yeah. I've covered these two teams for too long and, and seen too much to pick against the Dodgers in this scenario. The Braves Phillies series is interesting to me just because again we talk about intra division rivalries and the Braves won the season series eleven to eight. They scored him 88 to 85. It was close. I mean, a three-run difference. The Phillies have played the Braves pretty tough. So, again, I'm not going to pick against the Braves. This team is too good. They've been too good. They, they've been the best team in baseball since June 1st. They have the best record in baseball since June 1st. Not the Astros, not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, the Braves. And I think picking against them as the defending World Series champions, playing as well as they are would be foolish. But I think the Phillies have an opportunity to play this one a little closer and maybe people are giving them credit for. And again, some of that is the Phillies have made a habit of making things more difficult than it should be on themselves at times, but they're here. They beat a good Cardinals team and they have two really good guys that can throw out in games one and two that are going to be fully rested. Just the way they, you know, ended things pretty early. You can go back to and Wheeler early in the series. And I think anytime those two guys are on the mound, you have a really good chance to win. All right, so sounds like we're the same, except I'm going Guardians, you're going Yankees. I am looking forward to it. Jeff, what's the number one thing you're going to be looking for here in the division series before we wrap up? Yeah,
3: I think um, if I had to hone in on one thing, I really think it is Juan Soto. You know, Can Soto sort of bring that swagger and uh, sort of that looseness to the Padres that they need and, and sort of be the difference maker? If he gets hot here, once again, this is a guy that, you know, every time he comes up, just his presence alone and, you know, how grating he can be to sort of watch as I'm sure an opposing player and certainly an opposing fan. I'm sure uh, when he's you know doing his whole theatrics and everything else in the box, he's hitting for power, moving guys along. Uh, that's a different lineup, you know, and we know how good Soto can be and we haven't really truly seen it. So I wonder if you can get that swagger, get all that going. Um, that's really what I'm going to be watching for. want to see great players be great in big moments.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be looking to see if Spencer Strider is back for the Braves. There's optimism, but it's not official yet. If he's in the rotation for the Braves, it just makes him that much better. And I think that's that's going to be something where you know the Braves are a really, really good team that has every bit the chance to defend their World Series title. But if he's back, if he's healthy, if he's dealing like he's capable of, It's just going to make them that much better. So that's what I'll be looking for. You're going with the vet. I'm going with the rookie. There we go. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Jeff Ponce, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the division series.